This is CNN Breaking News. And we begin with this breaking news. Three U.S. troops were killed and at least two dozen more injured in a drone attack on a small U.S. outpost in Jordan near the border with Syria and Iraq. U.S. officials say the drone landed... For the first time since October 7th, U.S. service members are being counted amongst the dead in the Middle East. The Pentagon says Sergeants William Rivers, Kennedy Sanders, and Brianna Moffat were killed in Jordan over the weekend in a drone attack allegedly carried out by an Iranian-backed militia. Even though her time was short on Earth, she lived her life to the fullest, and she enjoyed her life. Moffat's mother, Francine, spoke to CNN on Monday night. Make sure that she knew how much we loved her. And that we never wanted her to feel alone. And it was always be right there by her side. Meanwhile, in Gaza, according to the Hamas-run health ministry, the civilian and combatant death toll has moved past 26,750. The loss of life is staggering and ever-present. And ever since the last truce between Hamas and Israel ended, the question has been, what will it take to once again stop the carnage? Well, now we could be closer to a solution, but that only raises more questions. I think there is uh, a concern in Netanyahu's mind of if there is a long pause, let's say it's two months, um, how do you then start the war back up again? Today, inside the latest talks to free the remaining hostages and how stunning allegations against the main relief agency in Gaza could complicate them. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Rind. Alex Marquardt is CNN's chief national security correspondent. And since October 7th, he's been reporting on the diplomatic efforts behind the scenes. Alex, it's been a minute since we've talked about the hostage negotiations on the show, but it does seem like there has been real progress on that front. Is that fair? It is. I think for a while we were hesitant to, to talk about any kind of progress, but it was clear as of uh, December that there was a, a flurry of activity that was starting. Uh, there was a meeting that took place in Warsaw. The CIA director and the Israeli intelligence chief and the Qatari prime minister. There were more talks earlier this month when Secretary Blinken was in the Middle East. And it all kind of came to a head just this past weekend with a meeting in Paris with uh, Bill Burns, the CIA director, again, uh, his Israeli counterparts, Egyptian intelligence chief, and the Qatari prime minister. And what we've learned is, is that they've essentially come to a framework. And we're staying away from calling this an agreement or a deal. Mm. Um, they've kind of have the broad strokes of what a deal could look like. And what does that look like? Essentially, and this has now gone back to Hamas, is a, a multi-phase agreement that would have civilian hostages released first during a six-week pause in the fighting or a truce. And that pause could be extended if IDF soldiers, men and women, and, and the bodies of some of the hostages are then released. And, and Hamas would also be demanding that Palestinian prisoners be released as well. So we don't have any idea like the logistics, like how it would work, the actual swap. Like you're saying, this is still kind of a conceptual idea. It's a conceptual idea, but those would be the biggest point. And I don't think the mechanics of it are necessarily going to be what's going to hold this up. But what has become clear is that there's a fundamental disagreement between Hamas and Israel about whether this next pause ends the war. Hamas wants to 
end the war uh, and see a ceasefire, a permanent ceasefire. Like once and for all. Yeah, at least for now, to end this latest war. And of course, wars seem to spring up every couple of years. But Israel still has every intention, it says, of, of complete victory over Hamas, whatever that means. That's not been very well defined. And six weeks seems like a very long time as far as this conflict is concerned, because for weeks we've been saying how Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu didn't really seem interested in ending this this current round of fighting. So what changed in, in his mind? Well, he's facing an immense amount of pressure domestically. I mean, you have huge protests in, in Israel, demands all across the country, both from the hostage families and regular Israelis to get these, these hostages home. And I've been in these protests. So you want the fighting to end now? Yeah, I really want the fighting to end. This is, this is way too much already. The only way to, take them, to get them out now is to, to make a deal and uh, to get them alive back home. What I've heard time and time again is get the hostages home now, do whatever it takes, empty the prisons if it takes, and and give them all the Palestinian prisoners back. Uh, But then you can continue on with your war. We've seen that it's possible because we saw the last deal between the two sides. I couldn't believe that there'd be a deal between Israel and Hamas, and we've seen that it's possible. So just do it. So, of course, I think there is uh, a concern in Netanyahu's mind of if there is a long pause, let's say it's two months, how do you then start the war back up again? And so I think you're seeing these intense operations around Khan Yunus right now where some of the top Hamas leaders are believed to be ahead of a pause uh, because Israel still has this goal of trying to take out top Hamas leadership. Oh, so it's like they're trying to get done as much as they can before any pause happens. That certainly seems to be the impression that I have, uh, because it would be very difficult, I think, at least in terms of optics, to start back up a, a, a full-scale war um, after, after a long pause. Now, U.S. officials will tell you that they're already winding down their operations. We're seeing uh, far more quiet in the north and that really the operations are centered around, uh, around the south and, and Khan Yunus. But certainly in Israel's mind, there's a lot left that they need to be done in terms of destroying and dismantling Hamas. More with Alex in just a bit. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We're back with Tug of War and my conversation with CNN's Alex Marquardt. 
There's also been a lot of talk, Alex, about these allegations made by Israel against the main U.N. relief agency in Gaza, that some of its staffers actually participated in the October 7th attacks. Like, how does that complicate any potential deal? Well, the agency is called the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, uh, which we pronounce UNRWA. They have for a long time played such a critical role when it comes to supporting Palestinians, not just in the Palestinian territories, but also in other countries. And so what Israel has said is that uh, 13 staffers participated in different ways in the October 7th attacks, including crossing the border into Israel and, and kidnapping Israelis. According to a document shared with CNN, six UNRWA employees infiltrated Israel as part of the attack. Four were involved in kidnapping Israelis and three additional UNRWA employees were, quote, invited via an SMS text message to arrive at an assembly area in the night before the attack and were directed to equip with weapons. Israel recognizes that, you know, with some 12,000 UNRWA staffers in Gaza, that there are certainly going to be people who are sympathetic to Hamas among the UNRWA ranks. But what Israel is alleging is that it goes well beyond these 13, that in fact there are deep ties between UNRWA uh, and Hamas that have existed for years. Israeli officials brief U.S. counterparts Friday, who quickly paused UNRWA's funding. A dozen other countries have followed, raising concerns the agency's absence could escalate suffering in Gaza. The U.S. is taking this very seriously. They have demanded an investigation, which UNRWA is carrying out. UNRWA immediately fired the people who are alleged to have involved, so clearly they're taking this intelligence seriously. But everyone acknowledges that UNRWA right now is absolutely critical, both in terms of getting aid into Gaza and distributing it. There's no other agency that could take its place. A cut in funding here is feared on a par with Israel's bombs. This will mean more starvation, poverty and deprivation, this university professor tells us, which ultimately means more death. This decision means killing us, killing the human being, she says. This is a death sentence. This is the only thing we live on. And you want to cut it? With every passing day, really every passing hour, we just get more and more reports about how horrific conditions are. The aid agencies every single day are coming out with these warnings. It seems like they're running out of superlatives to describe how unprecedented what they're seeing is. And, and we know that famine is spreading, that starvation is setting in, that people don't have enough access to medication, hospitals aren't working. You know, not only is not enough aid getting in, but it's not able to be distributed in the areas that it needs to get to uh, because of the ongoing fighting. So it is truly a horrendous situation. I think it could be hard sometimes to think about how all these threads in the Middle East are connected, like from what's going on in Gaza to the drone strikes on U.S. forces in Jordan and elsewhere. So if the guns and bombs in Gaza do end up going silent for like six weeks, like you said, will that be enough to silence all the other unrest in the region? Or are we like too far down the line here? 
I, I think there's a good chance, and, and perhaps I'm overly optimistic, but you know, the, the players who are involved, you know, whether it's Hezbollah in Lebanon or the Houthis in the Red Sea, they have made clear that all of this is, is tied directly to the war in Gaza. So I, I do think that if the war would, were to end, that you would see a significant scaling back of what we've seen elsewhere in, in the past few months. I mean, American troops were coming under fire from Iranian-backed proxies in Iraq and Syria before this, but sure. nothing like we're seeing right now. So certainly there is an incentive for the U.S. to push for an agreement to bring the hostages home, to lead to a, a truce, a pause in the fighting, not just because of what's happening in, in Gaza and how horrible that is, but because of the violence that has spread across the region. And now we'll just wait and see if the sides are able to iron out those sticking points and get to a final agreement. Alex, thank you. Thank you for having me. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz, Taylor Galgano, and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jamis Andres, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namarau. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson and Katie Hinman. We'll be back on Friday. In the meantime, head over to CNN.com or check out the CNN Five Things podcast for the very latest. We'll talk to you later. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.